Welcome to the Michigan Out of Doors podcast. Since 1937, MUCC has been committed to conserve, protect, and enhance Michigan's natural resources and outdoor heritage. Now, here's your host, Mike Avery. Welcome to another edition of the Michigan Out of Doors podcast, a presentation of the folks from MUCC, Michigan United Conservation Club's my name is Mike Avery. I am a member of MUCC, and I support MUCC. I believe in what they're doing. I think they are a very, very strong and effective advocate for those of us who love the outdoor lifestyle, and I think today that's more important than ever. Speaking of important, a very important role in MUCC is the role of the executive director, and that belongs to Amy Trotter, who joins us on this edition of the podcast. Amy, welcome back. Thanks, Mike. Hey, listen, it's always a pleasure to talk with you, but i got to ask you, how, how are things going at MUCC? We're still, as we record this podcast, we're still dealing with a pandemic. Are you guys back in the office? Are you all still working from home? And, and how has that affected the effectiveness of what you're trying to get done? We are here and there and everywhere still. So we have some people that are choosing to work remotely because, you know, we're pretty flexible of an organization and that a lot of our work can be done online and, uh, and, and through collaboratives. We're doing field work now. We're back up and running with our On the Water program and doing um, both habitat and, and trash cleanups like you were a part of at Saginaw Bay. Um, and then we're moving now to on the ground projects coming up in August and September. So we're getting back out in the field. And, um, you know, throughout this pandemic, really, the, the legislature took a little bit of a break, but they've been back in action. I've been uh, on Zoom testifying in bills and uh, and even in person as well on the commercial fishing issues. Um, because we wanted to have that presence there to show really the importance both the, the legislators and our members uh, could see that we were placing on these issues. So we've been really busy from a policy standpoint. That has not uh, really stopped because of the pandemic. The field season was put on pause a little bit, but we are we are back up and running in the outdoors and happy to be there. Amy, you are known as a very, very effective policy person, a policy wonk. You're known as an expert. You have the ability to get things done. What what prepared you in life for this? Where is your background that you can look at these types of things and dissect them and know what needs to be done and how to get it done? Wow. No one's really ever asked me that. <laughs> I, uh, I have uh, two degrees from Michigan State University, so go Spartans. And um, one of them is is more in the environmental science and management field through the Lyman Briggs College there. And the other one is actually in um, environmental studies and applications, which kind of sounds the same, but is a little bit different. So one of my degrees is more in the hard sciences. So I... I took chemistry and biology and physics and ecology and kind of all the ologies that you can think of. And then my other degree was more on the, the people side of the environment. So the economic side and the, the social side, risk communications um, and policy and, and law as well. So I have a little bit of both, um, but really no degree it prepares you for truly, you know, being a lobbyist and being faced with, uh, you know, all the different issues that we've come across in 
in Michigan in my in my career. So you really just, uh, you know, you, you take the same approach, though, with tackling every issue. You try to learn as much about it as you can from experts. You, you try to learn about the science, whether it's published studies or, or talking to, to people who know more than you. And like I said, I've taken all the ology classes, but I've only taken about one of every kind. So I, I, um, I always find that my skill is at least in knowing who to ask the right questions to and then being able to kind of translate more of the, the, the deep science or the, the, you know, the, the technical side into um, effective, more effective communications to, you know, people that may have a lot of lot to do in making decisions, like our legislators or our natural resources commissioners, but trying to kind of translate some of that, the the technical side into the the layman's terms or the policy side of it. Well, Amy, I'm I'm glad you are in the position that you are at MUCC, and I appreciate all the hard work that you and all of your staffers do. And just a reminder, this is the Michigan Out of Doors podcast. If you would like to learn more about MUCC, check out the website MUCC.org. That's MUCC.org. You can find them on Facebook and uh, Instagram as uh, at MUCC1937. We're talking with MUCC Executive Director Amy Trotter. And Amy, what is it now that you're working on? I mean, I know you've always got something that's going on, but what are the big issues right now? Well, we're, we're definitely deep in the commercial fishing modernization discussion. So that, uh, that bill has passed the House and we're on to the Senate, and we're having a lot of conversations among the Senate right now. Um, we are a amici as part of a coalition to the Great Lakes Consent Decree. So that's on the tribal side of commercial fishing and talking about our fisheries and our shared resources there in the Great Lakes. Um, so those have been kind of ongoing now for, for the better part of uh, a year or more. Um, the newest thing is actually something that we started way back in 2017 and 2018, and it's finally coming to fruition. So we're really excited about the changes. It's actually a constitutional amendment that's going to be on the ballot in November um, to change the Natural Resources Trust Fund in some positive ways. Well, let's start at the basics. What is that trust fund? The Michigan Natural Resources Trust Fund was created uh, through legislation, and, and MUCC is a, has a long history as kind of part of this founding. But it was uh, back in 1976, um, which was basically a deal to take the revenue, the royalties and the revenues generated through oil, gas, and mineral activities on state lands and taking that a portion of those funds and rolling them back into permanent conservation and natural resources and recreation. So in other words, trying to mitigate the damage that this non-renewable resource, you know, this extraction activity is doing and putting it into something very positive for the state in perpetuity. Um, so this is a fund that we've used, you know, it's been said that we have the most public lands of any state east of the Mississippi. And I, we might be number two maybe now, but uh, we're close. We're up there. And the reason we enjoy so much public access in our state is because my predecessors, Tom Washington and Senator Kerry Kamer and Bob Garner and Bill Rustum and kind of some of our legends of conservation, 
uh, had the foresight to make this deal back in the 70s, and we are now still today seeing the benefits of that going forward. So it's the drilling and the mining companies that are putting into this, kicking into this? Yep, the oil and gas, uh, there's a royalty every time that they want to lease our our oil and gas uh, deposits that are under state lands, they have to pay a royalty, basically. And so then that the earnings from that and then the interest that comes off the corpus, basically, because we've been putting money into this trust fund for some time now, um, that gets uh, used or, or allocated through the Natural Resources Trust Fund Board. So this is a group of uh, appointed members who oversee this this uh, pot of money. And uh, there's certainly rules both in statute as well as in the Constitution as to how they can spend that money. But um, essentially, it's been since its founding for land acquisition, um, so putting private lands into public ownership, and then also for recreational development. So meaning taking whatever our public lands are, whether they're owned by a city or a county, a township or the state, and developing them for more opportunities. So making making more use of that recreational opportunity on those lands. So those are really only the historically two ways we can spend this money. None of this money is coming from anyone's taxes. So it's important to understand that this is this is really oil and gas revenue um, and it's being uh, put into a fund. And that's what's being spent for this funding. Um, It is not coming out of our pocketbooks or anything like that. And it's been in this funding source mechanism since 1976. So this is not a new pot of money or anything like that. Um, And what the proposal is, is really just to change, just tweak how we can use it. How much money are we talking? I suspect it varies from year to year, but give me an idea uh, overall. How, how big is this pot? <clears throat> well, um, it, it actually capped out back in, um, I think it was 2010 or 2011, um, because we had some constitutional limits there. And so when it hit I believe it was $500 million. Oh. Um, we actually rolled it now into the State Park Endowment Fund. So now these interest and earnings for, from the royalties are going into the State Park Endowment Fund. Um, but eventually that's going to cap out, too, at $800 million. <laughs> and so um, generally what's getting spent now from the Natural Resources Trust Fund is anywhere from you know, 15 to $25 million a year because it depends on how good the market's doing, what kind of applications they're getting in, and, and kind of a variety of factors. But we're, we're talking about a billion dollars of investment since 1976 wow. when this was first uh, enacted. Um, it is an extremely considerable amount of money going into conservation. It, it sounds like a great idea a great program so why do you want to change it or, or, or what's the amendment about so one of the challenges and you know again in 1976 you just have no idea how it's going to go <laughs> when when we were enacting this and there's been minor tweaks to it like i said putting on the cap and then having the state park endowment fund be the beneficiary we didn't even think we would get to that first cap 
And then there was kind of a, a, a run due to fracking and the shale oil development um, back in, you know, the, the late uh, 2000s. Um, and we, we reached the cap suddenly overnight in one, basically one auction. Um, so the problem with it is right now is we're filling up this next bucket of the state park endowment fund. But the next iteration, once we hit that cap, that money is going back into the general fund. And that's the concern from MUCC and a lot of other conservation and environmental groups, and even the oil and gas industry, is that we we very much support this money staying in the conservation and natural resources realm. Um, we don't want to see this money get used for roads or, or, you know, whatever other kinds of pieces of our state government. You know, we believe that the non-renewable resources should go back into the renewable resources and into conservation. So we need to capture this next roll-off. After we hit the next cap, um, we want to make sure to keep this back in uh, in conservation. So what one of the uh, aspects of the ballot uh, that's going to be on the ballot is, is to just capture that next roll-off uncap the natural resources trust fund which has this cap right now that's already hit uncap that and then um have in perpetuity these royalties going into the natural resources trust fund so it will permanently be protected in the constitution of course constitutional amendments can come up in the in the future but at least from a day-to-day aspect um, we will ensure this revenue source is is continuing into conservation and then the other thing that is going to change as a result of uh, if, if this um, ballot measure is approved is is the proportion of how the board can spend the money. So right now it says in the Constitution, 75% of the funding must be spent on land acquisitions and 25% on recreational development projects. Now, from year to year, again, the proposals change, but as we go on, and because this has seen its success for the last 44 years, um, land acquisitions have come in slower and slower and smaller and smaller. There's just not those huge acquisition um, opportunities coming along every single year. Meanwhile, the recreational development demands have grown and grown, and this is mostly our local parks, you know, our, our townships and our counties that have a significant need, but even the state as well, a significant need for recreational development dollars because they have these parks or or facilities that they created maybe back in the 70s, and now they're falling apart. You know, you, you know how infrastructure is going right now here yeah, in yeah. Michigan. So, so the opportunity here for this um, trust fund ballot uh, measure is to is to change that and give a little bit more flexibility to the trust fund board, whereby still 25% would have to go to land acquisition, 25% for recreational development, but the other 50% can flex. So they have the flexibility to look annually, year to year, at what applications they're getting in the door, how they rank, and what ranks you know, high enough to spend it on. So they have a little bit more flexibility to meet the demand um, that is significant across the state. Who makes up that trust fund board? Are they conservationists, hunters, anglers? What what types of uh, people are they? 
They are. Um, well, currently, uh, Bill Rustum is serving on the Natural Resources Trust Fund Board, and so he has had a long history of um, engagement and conservation from his time in working with the late Governor Milliken through the time of working with Governor Snyder. But in between that, he uh, managed a public policy firm, Public Sector Consultants. And he's always been uh, at the forefront of a lot of major conservation issues. He's actually, um, you know, the person that ran the the petition drive for the bottle deposit law. So he has a, a long history in in the realm of conservation. So he's on that trust fund board. Um, Aaron McDonough, my predecessor here at MUCC, sure. who actually went to work for the oil and gas industry and now works for the insurance industry, she's actually on the trust fund board still. Now, I'm not sure what her schedule for reappointment is, but um, for now, she still has a seat and she was named that when she was working for MUCC, I believe. So, hmm. um, but she definitely has, uh, you know, she may have a different job description now, but certainly she she knows um, the importance of stakeholders and the importance of uh, of outdoor recreation to Michigan and its economy. Um, the other individuals I don't know as well, but they all come from a, a place of um, you know sometimes more placemaking. So they're actually like real estate development who understand again not. Not that they, uh, you know, they're not hunters and anglers, but they get the value of green space and parks. And so some of them come more from that, that parks mentality of having green space in urban areas and the importance of um, that to a community. So so the, there's other perspectives like that. Hmm. So, um, you know, they come from all different backgrounds and, and geographic uh, uh, locations, but... Um, but you know, so far I think we've we've had very good trust fund board members who, who again get the the significance of the funding that they're doing, and they have prioritized things that groups like MUCC and hunters and anglers support. So, for example, they um, they always again have prioritized land acquisitions because they have to spend money on that, but they've chosen to spend that um, money for land acquisitions, particularly when opportunities arise in southern Michigan where we don't have as much public land as, say, up north. Um, they've also uh, picked out a few other key you know, priority issues like wintering deer habitat complexes in the UP as a critical thing to, to furthering the deer herd in the Upper Peninsula. Um, you've got to have that quality habitat and you don't want to get it developed and so um, land acquisitions of some of those key deer yards is really important for the overall deer herd, even if it might be a, a relatively small acquisition. And then they've also prioritized things like shooting ranges. You know, we uh, just public shooting ranges. And so all of the shooting ranges that the, uh, not all of them, but uh, several of the DNR-owned uh, shooting ranges have been supplemented through trust fund funding. Amy, how do you take uh, an issue like this that uh, could be complicated in some people's eyes, how do you take an issue like this and break it down to a simple ballot question? It's extremely hard. <laughs> we actually have only 100 words on the ballot 
to explain all of what I've just said in the last, uh, <laughs> you know, 10 minutes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my, my, my little brother always challenges me to get it out in 10 words or less, and I failed every time. So I, uh, I, I struggle with that. But what, some of the key aspects, and we've done some polling, so, so we have a coalition of groups that are working on this ballot campaign and want to see it through to success. And we've engaged consultants in a lot of this work and because in order to run a, an actual statewide, you know, constitutional amendment, you got to have information to work with. you got to know what's resonating with voters and, and the kinds of issues that they're confronted with. And so we've learned a lot of things. Certainly, um, it's a key message to tell everybody that all the good that can come out of the Natural Resources Trust Fund in terms of parks and, and public land opportunities. Um, we need to ensure that they know that it is not going to raise their taxes in any way, that this is an existing revenue source, that we are continuing its purpose, not creating something new out of. And the other thing that you would not know from all the things I've just said, but we are trying to connect this to the issue of water. Because, you know, what we do on the land ultimately, obviously, impacts the water. And... Um, Having large tracts of undeveloped land and land for is great for wildlife habitat. It's great for public hunting opportunities, but it's also really good for clean, healthy drinking water. And we just need to get that message out there that what we do on the land and having these, you know, this rich public land opportunities that we have also helps to protect our drinking water sources. So, um, we're, you know, trying to, again, capture all of those concepts in 100 words is uh, is difficult, but those are the, the key messages that we're trying to get out to people is that, you know, this Natural Resources Trust Fund does all of these things for us. It's recreation, public land opportunities, it's parks, it's good for wildlife, and it's good for water. So you don't know what the exact verbiage on the question will be yet at this point. Is that is that correct? That is that is correct. So we have a preferred hundred words that we like, but ultimately it is the board of canvassers that determines um, that hundred word statement that's going to appear on the ballot, and they don't do that until September. So um, we don't yet know, and we don't actually even know yet. I can't tell you if it's proposal one or two or five yet because um, we don't know what else is going to potentially be on the ballot either. So um, as of right now, it's you know key to know that the the proposal for the Michigan Natural Resources Trust Fund is a good one, and that you know people who support conservation uh, should support it. Um, but I, I don't have yet the title or, uh, you know, the number or the exact verbiage that's going to be on there yet. Well, and depending on how it's worded, you might be looking for a yes vote or a no vote. Or or, or do you no, know it's going to be a yes? Be, it will definitely be a yes vote okay. because um, the, the vote is to adopt the constitutional amendment that was put forward. And and so this constitutional amendment, is it was... Senate Joint Resolution O of 2018. That's how long we've been working on this. It was adopted unanimously by the Michigan legislature in 2018. And then, but then in order to finalize a constitutional amendment, it has to go to the people. And um, unfortunately, you know, 
it, it came in in December of 2018, and it has to be on a general election. Uh, so 2020 was the, the first opportunity to get it before the voters. So so what is written in that constitutional amendment is is much bigger than 100 words. But all you all you'll get the benefit of uh, when you are in the voting booth is that 100 word statement. Well, and when you see the question trust fund, vote yes. Yes, exactly. Will there be a marketing campaign or an ad campaign of any kind to, to educate people on this before that November election? Yes, we are working on that right now. So as I mentioned, we have a lot of uh, consultants that have been engaged. They've already done a lot of the polling work to understand sort of where citizens are in their understanding of Natural Resources Trust Fund and their understanding of, you know, funding for natural resources sort of in general and the kinds of terms and issues that um, this this engages, but also, you know, uh, to ensure that those are commonly understood things that connect people to this ballot campaign as well as, you know, the issue at hand. So so we we have that data in hand and we have um, creative consultants that are coming up with um, great targeted messages um, and uh, and I'm, I'm certainly not a pollster and I don't do this for a living or anything, but there will be key messages that uh, will follow you home if you're a likely voter. <laughs> you're probably on a list somewhere. And that's it's the exact same way that candidates in Michigan, you know, run their campaigns. They know who tends to vote. And in Michigan, for sure, hunters and anglers are that likely voting population. So. That's my job is to make sure that hunters and anglers know that this trust fund amendment is a good thing, um, you know, and uh, we are a huge portion of likely voters. Now, there's a lot of other people out there that also are going to vote, and we need to make sure that they understand that it's good for their community, too. So there will be messages created for, you know, pick a target audience, a suburban soccer mom or a, a business person in Detroit, is <laughs> there's going to be messages that uh, target their demographics as well. And that's because what's great about conservation and the Michigan Natural Resources Trust Fund is that it funds everything that we love about the outdoors. So the places and the activities that we take advantage of, it has probably seen uh, you know, every county in Michigan has seen some of this funding to enhance its assets. Well, Amy, I, listen, I appreciate you joining us on this edition of the podcast and uh, bringing us up to speed on this. I didn't know much about this at all, so I really appreciate that. And, and, and the fact that when this comes up on the ballot in November, if you see trust fund, regardless of how it's worded, let me look at it closely. But if it's regarding the trust fund, a yes vote is the way to go, in your opinion, correct? Correct. Hmm. Anything else we should talk about, Amy? Um, well, you know, uh, speaking of November, um, MUCC is not a partisan organization at all. But, you know, now is the time to get to know your candidates that are going to be on the ballot in November as well. Um, I can't tell you who to vote for. I'm a nonprofit 501c3. We don't get into that business. But we encourage people to get to know the candidates that are going to be on the on the ballot as well 
get to know them now and start asking them questions about their feelings as it relates to outdoor recreation and the outdoors and conservation and the things that are important to hunters and anglers. It's really crucial. I mean, this is really a it could be a pivotal uh, election year, and I, I don't want to get political at all about it, but it's important for people to know who they're voting for and kind of know if they have been an elected official, what's their record on natural resources issues and conservation issues. Um, so to, you know, just be mindful, uh, take advantage of those kinds of opportunities to get to know your candidates, educate yourself. Um, that's really all I can ask is get out and vote and, and do be an informed voter. So uh, I hope everybody will take advantage of those kinds of opportunities. Certainly, it's hard in a pandemic to, you know, we don't see our elected officials or the candidates at a parade like we normally do. And there's not as much door knocking happening um, this campaign season, although there is some. But um, I would encourage people to ask those questions of their candidates. Um, because uh, we want to make sure that we can continue to uh, celebrate the, the conservation heritage that we have here in Michigan and also to protect it from now into the future. Celebrate our conservation heritage and protect it into the future. Amy, I can't think of a better way to end our podcast this time around. Keep up the good work, and of course, we will be in touch with you and the rest of the staff there to, uh, to help keep us informed about what's going on. Again, thank you very much, Amy. I appreciate the time. Thank you. Amy Trotter, Executive Director of MUCC, the website MUCC.org. That's MUCC.org. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram uh, as at MUCC1937. My name is Mike Avery, a proud member of MUCC, and that'll wrap up this edition of the Michigan Out of Doors podcast. Podcast.